imagine that you're in a class and you take notes and you only write text. So you, you create a bullet point list of key points that the lecturer said versus you create for the same class a page that has a couple of diagrams, a bit of a doodle on the side, some arrows. A year later, you pick the two of them up and for both of them, you have 10 seconds to remind yourself what happened in the class. In 10 seconds, you at best have a chance to read the title of the one filled with text. Within the 10 second glance or five second glance on the page with some imagery, you're fully reminded of what was in class. Hello, PKMers. Welcome back to Personal Knowledge Management with Aiden Halfon, the podcast where I interview fellow PKMers and dive into the unique ways they use their PKM systems for work, creativity, and life. Zolt Vixian is a YouTuber, blogger, and plugin developer for Obsidian. He creates content on business analysis, algorithms of thought, note-taking, journaling, and visual thinking inside of Obsidian. He's the creator of two plugins, Excaladraw, a visual spatial drawing program inside of Obsidian, and Excalibrain, a plugin for visualizing relationships in your markdown documents. We talk about what visual thinking is, why it's so effective at facilitating retention and understanding, and how Zolt implements visual thinking into Obsidian. Zolt, can you tell us more about Excaladraw and Excalibrain and what you use them for inside of Obsidian? Yeah, so, hey, Aiden, and um, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, first of all. Um, yeah, so, so Excaladraw is a drawing tool. It's a sketching tool, so the basic use case is to sketch, to create illustrations. Now, the way I've implemented Excaladraw in Obsidian is that it takes full um, advantage of the linking capabilities in Obsidian, as well as it implements the same type of block referencing approach. So you can block reference as part of images. You can nest images into one another. So it becomes a very structured uh, visual network of thoughts. And Excoli Brain, on the other hand, is just another, well, it happens to be implemented on the Excoli Draw architecture, but that's that was just because I had Excoli Draw available. Excoli Brain uh, is a tool to visualize relationships in your graph, and it, it is really just for navigating the vault and navigating relationships in the vault. And frankly, uh, I, I use Excalidraw pretty much for everything you can imagine. So this has been my long, long uh, term dream. And we are talking about decades to have a visual tool where I can navigate between images and I can navigate between sketches and I don't need um, necessarily to write down and the images are not separate images as illustrations, but the images are themselves the content that I can jump to other images. So typical use cases would be 
of course, taking notes in meetings or taking notes about books or things I read. It's about mind mapping ideas. So whenever I start to think about something, I usually create what I call a storyboard. And really the storyboard is my starting point for thinking about the topic. I, I put the different ideas on there and I typically place these ideas in a way that many of them already exist in my world. So I add links or I embed these ideas as drawings into onto this canvas. And then I use the, the Excolitra canvas to organize my ideas. And so that's another typical use case. I use uh, Excolitra to present information. So I have also created some plugins around it or some scripts around it to help that. But I like the the dynamic nature of using Excolidraw and using a drawing for presentations. I also use Excolidraw to collaborate. In that case, I, I use uh, Excolidraw.com and then I copy the final result into Obsidian to store it because Excolidraw.com offers a shared whiteboard mm -hmm. based on Excolidraw, um, which technically could be made available in Obsidian, but uh, after having some consultations with the Excolidraw team, uh, I decided not to do that because it is not guaranteed for the long term. So I thought let's then leave it this way that I copy paste items. Um, but yeah, I mean, I use it to create thumbnails for my YouTube videos. I use it. Um, recently I started, so, so, so this is something I started already a long time ago, but recently I, I took a step forward. I, I have a daily reflection, so a daily journaling process. And part of that is, um, reflecting on a daily quote. And recently what I've started, well, so again, recently what I started, so just to finish this sentence is to play with mid journey. So it's a stable diffusion, uh, AI art generator to use mid journey to generate an image that reflects my thoughts about the quote that I read. And then the process that I've already established a year ago is I do a mind map around the daily quote. So my reflection to the daily quote is mind mapping around the daily quote, writing down my reflections, often pulling in other quotes or uh, literature or whatever comes to mind based on the quote. Yeah, so I, I think in short, um, most of the things I do, uh, I do uh, in Excolidraw or involving uh, Excolidraw in some way, either to illustrate or to facilitate thinking or or to present or to collaborate. Um, and, and that's actually mm -hmm. um, what I love about the tool as well that uh, I can I can use it as a one-stop shop to get all of this done. You said it right there at the at the end of that wonderful description is 
it sounds like Excaladraw and Excalibrain are being used for so, so many things in your life. And I'd love to hear, you mentioned earlier about how this has been a dream of yours for decades. Can you tell us a little bit more about why it is that you first wanted to create Excaladraw and Excalibrain and how that came into fruition? Yeah, so I, I like to take notes on paper. Well, not anymore, but in the past, I would say. Um, I always had my notebook and a piece of paper. Now I have my tablet and a pen, but it's the same thing. So I I love to take uh, notes, and, and I believe that notes together with some... Um, simple sketches, uh, diagrams, whatever, are more meaningful, or at least that's the way uh, my brain works, that I like them. I very much like mind maps. I've been using mind maps to think since forever, so I I can't trace back when I started (laughs) to use them, but uh, definitely measured in decades as well. And what I found in previous tools I tried to use, um, so previous note-taking tools, that the best you could achieve was to take a picture or import an image of the sketch that you created, and then that was it. You could no longer edit it, or it was a real hassle to edit and change the image because you needed some uh, graphical program or often and of course so this then takes us back in time uh, to a time when online tools weren't so natural and uh, or weren't so uh, common so if I wanted to edit something yes at home on my desktop I was able to do it but when I was on the move when I was in the office it had all these limitations of being able to edit my earlier drawings or my notes or to highlight stuff in them, etc. And that, that that's really the the basic story of, of why I wanted something like this, as well as I really I, I don't really know any other tool as drawing tools, as modeling tools, there are tools that allow you to um, deconstruct, uh, say process modeling tools, uh, offer you this ability to define objects that you reuse multiple places in your processes and then that that is um, a way to drive consistency and also to query your, your process diagrams, but in terms of drawing tools, Frankly, I'm not aware of a single other tool that allows you to do the same uh, deconstruction that I'm able to do in Obsidian with Xcolid, mm. where I can reuse parts of images, I can reference parts of images, I can link to parts of images, and it it really becomes like paragraphs of a text uh, that you're working on, but they are visual images. I, I am not aware of that being available in in any other tool 
and yeah, this is something I, I always wanted to do, and uh, I, I think bottom line is I find joy in it, so mm-hmm. I do it, and that's uh, <laughs> it's sometimes it's it sounds like one of the the reasons you love Excalibur so much is before Excalibur was a thing, the main ways to do mind maps was through paper note-taking or on a different website, but they didn't bring the same editing capabilities as Excalibur does with like the referencing and the templating and things like that. And I'm sure you know in the PKM community, people are, a lot of people are obsessed with adding new things to their their repertoire for note-taking. So I'd, I'd love to hear, based off of what you just said, what do you think it is about visual note-taking in Obsidian or even in other note-taking apps that could be useful compared to more traditional note-taking like just a blank text document? Yeah, though I would challenge you on that statement, the term traditional. Mm. So for me, traditional note-taking is, I don't know, Leonardo da Vinci or Benjamin Franklin or Van Gogh or Charles Darwin or Einstein or etc. And you look at the notes of these people and A, of course, they are on paper uh, because that was the... <laughs> they didn't have computers back then. <laughs> yeah, but they are full of diagrams mm. and pictures and, You're right. and sketches. So I think what you call traditional is actually not traditional. It's a good point. A limitation of technology. I mean, I remember my third ver- first word processor that was on a Commodore 64 and I have no idea what the name of the word processor was, but James was nothing more than uh, 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 I would probably uh, even Windows Notepad is more advanced. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was the the word processor, and and I think there's lots of benefits in being able to write things down, and I tend to agree with the. Uh, this notion that writing is thinking so if you're able to express your thoughts then you actually have thoughts as long as you if you're not able to write them down then you have these fuzzy fuzzy things in your head but they are not thoughts they are just uh, uh, shapeless uh, ideas but equally if you take a page so imagine that you're in a class and you take notes and you only write text. So you, you create a bullet point list of key points that the lecturer said versus you create for the same class a page that has a couple of diagrams, a bit of a doodle on the side, some arrows. And, and then you a year later, you pick two, the two of them up, and for both of them, you have 10 seconds to remind yourself what happened in the class. In 10 seconds, you at best have a chance to read the title of the one filled with text, and you will need to take 
extreme amount, I mean extreme amount of effort, it's not extreme amount of effort because in one minute you read through the page and then you remember, but within the 10 second glance or five second glance on the page with some imagery, you're fully reminded of what was in class. So I actually think that um, what you call traditional note-taking is traditional because we didn't have better tools, but the actual traditional note-taking, if you go back a bit in time and you look at some of the um, great thinkers and inventors and uh, statesmen, etc., those have always been with imagery and I think also just um, from a um, from a, a species perspective, I mean, humans or Homo sapiens as a species, I think our ability to write has been just a blink of an eye in the last couple of thousand years. And before that, I'm pretty sure that we were thinking much more in in images and were communicating mm -hmm. in images. So I, I, I think that, um, words are often too abstract yeah and yeah. images are the ones that you can use to convey your your idea so now, now that you now that you say that i completely agree uh, because words or writing in general was only invented uh, a few thousand years ago and i don't know if you've heard of this quote but i believe it was plato who said that he feared when writing was introduced to society, people would become forgetful because they would they would ex, ex, uh, put out their thoughts into the outside world, allowing them to alleviate the, the need to remember them in their own mind. And now that you say that about visual thinking, um, it makes me realize that that actually has been out much, much longer than than writing has on stone, on papaya, uh, papyrus, and now on uh, obsidian and paper mediums. Um, I still, I still would like to to hear like from that uh, how you were saying like you know with the bullet point list in class compared to the visual representation of the notes, the visual representation in the notes being much easier to remember a year later, what it was you were writing down. Do you think that there are some situations in which visual thinking would be, would be better or uh, compared to, not going to say traditional, but just straight up like writing it, writing things down in a bullet points format or in a, uh, a single like page document, if that makes sense? So probably, uh, I'm going to first go the other way around. So probably if I'm creating a shopping list for myself, I'm not going to... Mind map. I'm just going to write that down. And, and, and I think similarly, if I'm in a meeting and I take notes, 
and those notes are maybe actions that need to be followed up by people and need to be handed out as uh, as actions and notes uh, or maybe decisions uh, those are also typically going to land in words so I, I think overall I'm not for a second saying that um, the text-based uh, note-taking is uh, is something that I'm not using. I'm, I, I write a lot uh, for work in terms of just uh, proposals and emails and uh, what have you, but also for my personal thinking, I, I write a lot because I, I do believe that writing is thinking and that's important. Um, Whenever something, so I like to explore topics and so for me mind mapping is one way of doing that. I like to explore topics in a visual way because that just um, engages more of my creativity. That's what I find. So if I need creativity, I will for sure use visuals. Also, if I need to organize ideas, I, I will often maybe even just take post-its and put it on a whiteboard or start to sketch on a whiteboard and try to connect ideas. I, I find that to be a much more natural way of, of organizing thoughts and, and also conveying a question to others that is visual. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but uh, but that that's for me the maybe one of the 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 reasons I use visuals is mm -hmm. to help with creativity. It, having a big empty sheet of paper in front of me where I can draw whatever wherever I'm not um, limited to the traditional well so for me traditional top to bottom left to right mm -hmm. uh, writing and then you get a page of paper and then you know you start at the top left and you'll finish at the bottom right and it's like you're uh, squeezed into this box that you need to follow when you have a piece of paper the same piece of paper maybe instead of portrait it's in landscape but uh, so you turn turn it uh, 90 degrees. But then when you have a an empty sheet of paper and a pen, and you can draw whatever, wherever. Also, that's what I I enjoy about the mind map. A mind map will typically start from the center and spread out. So again, it it just conveys this idea of infinity. Your 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 option of filling that paper yeah. or or it's boundless. Yeah. And I think what Excolid Draw offers is a truly infinite um, canvas for, for your mind map. So you can, you can actually go as far as, uh, as you want or make it as big as you want. And for me, that, that, that is a good, um, Yeah, a good way to 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 
understand the difference of how I think about written text versus mm -hmm. a, a drawing or a visual that one is bound by very strict rules yeah. in terms of where you start or when you finish and the other one is completely free and it's your opportunity to to shape it yeah i think i think one thing that you might might be getting on based on what you just said is how visual thinking tools afford you a shapeability that you don't have with a text document that's just left to right top to bottom because it's pretty agonizing to shape a just text document by like copying and pasting and then pasting it somewhere else whereas in like Excaladraw or with a mind map especially if it's digital you can very easily shape it into whatever you you want to uh, and I think what might be helpful to really understand that idea is if you could give us an example where visual thinking really, really helped you on a project in some way? So I have multiple ideas that come to mind. Um, one that is then still close to uh, X call it draw and visual thinking is about a year ago I, I decided that I want to do some sort of an online course or training or maybe a cohort based course about um, visual thinking and Excolid Draw and Obsidian uh, and all of these tools. And I started that process by drawing a mind map. I also have a tweet somewhere with that mind map. Um, a mind map of all of the things that I think visual thinking can be used for and my different use cases that I've uh, talked about in my various uh, YouTube videos, etc. And then going forward, so that was my initial shaping of the, the topic that I took this canvas, I put everything on it and I started to shuffle it around to see what I'm thinking. And, and there I can find a meaningful scope that could really be turned into uh, a, an online course of sorts. And then as I was thinking about this, also the next step when I finally decided uh, what my course is going to be about and how the curriculum is going to look like, what are the modules, how it's going to build up, that was also um, the same process of zooming in on this mind map and picking up one area and working that uh, further. So I think that is definitely a, an example of, of just shaping a completely new topic and, and trying to drive it to something concrete. And for me there, um, doing it visually was the most natural way and also um, effective if I look at it because now I have the course running so in the end I, I was able to drive that to a, a conclusion that is actually working. Mm. 
The other bit that comes to mind is, and so this is this is a simple example, and of course, so this is visual as well. But but uh, there's, I mean, also mind mapping is is nothing uh, extremely new. So this other this other topic that comes to mind is work related. I mean, work as in uh, my normal business life that is not uh, YouTube and Excolitraw and all these hobbies um, and it is about driving alignment by drawing process diagrams and then sitting down around a process map or sitting around an architecture drawing so I work in IT and work with all sorts of complex uh, systems. So just simply sitting down with um, other people and putting on paper the process that needs to be supported or putting on paper all the systems and their uh, interfaces and the data streams and roles or the different um, roles that interact with these systems. I find that pretty much the only way to talk about a complex setup. So pretty quickly, and I think that quickly comes already if you have two, three components or more than two, three components in a setup. If you start to explain it to someone and you say that, so this connects to that and that connects to this, but if, and you're already lost. If you put this on paper, then you have a discussion because then you can point to that okay so you're talking about that connection there and this is the condition so for me in my work just simply um, being able to talk about the the content of my work with my team for example or with our customers I simply cannot imagine that without uh, using drawings and nowadays if I'm not drawing on a real physical whiteboard then I'm going to be drawing uh, in Excolidraw so that becomes the, the canvas uh, for communicating these. Yeah, you know you said something very interesting there at the end which was when you have a visual representation in your work of something, people can naturally see that things are connected to each other just visually based off of the connection. And compare that to a text document or just stuff written down um, by hand, it might be less obvious that two things are connected unless outright said so, whereas visual thinking, it's more of like a universal language that, that people ascribe to. It's not like you have to speak to them uh, in English <laughs> in order for them to understand it. Um, and I, I resonated with, with that I, idea at, at work as well because I've one of my favorite visual thinking methods I've used for a long time to come up with ideas for outlines of, of scripts or courses is called... a lump, uh, d a dump, lump, and then jump. 
I know, very, very, very appealing imagery that comes there. But um, essentially what you do is you just like spew out all your ideas for a certain thing on post-it notes. You just write down everything. That's called the dump stage. Then you lump it all together under themes based off of similarities and topics. And then you finally jump by ordering them in a manner which makes sense. And I think it's really that like visual nature that makes it so useful to me. I don't think it would be the same if I just like wrote it out like a shopping list or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in the very practical terms, so if, if I'm not using Excalibur and not sitting at the desk, then in the post-it notes are the essential tool in visual thinking. So I'm, I'm fully with you that um, I've, I've seen so many uses, including indeed scoping a topic and then uh, facilitating a brainstorming and then organizing that into uh, topics and organizing it into actions and action owners, uh, planning a process, doing risk assessment. Um, in so many ways, post-it notes are indeed the essential components of visual thinking. Uh, it's amazing. And and if you think about it, it's, it's quite interesting about post-it notes because often you don't have any imagery. So post-it notes are not small pictograms that you put on. So it's not like everyone's drawing icons and then you're placing icons on the whiteboard. You're taking different colored notes. Maybe you have um, an agreement that uh, issues are red and opportunities are green or what have you. So you can play a bit with colors. But um, all you do is write two or three words, but then you start to organize these words uh, and that organization, that freedom, the, the way you can move it around makes it a visual tool in the end. So it's not like just text with bullet points and maybe a um, an outline format because I mean, I think for the most part, uh, most of the post-it note results can be translated into an outline form. So it's, mm. it's very often in the end you can outline it, but the way you get to that point, the opportunity to move these um, clusters of post-it notes or form these clusters of post-it notes by um, uh, based on singularity or just by picking them up and placing them in, in a different uh, bundle, uh, I think makes it visual. So. I think for me, the point here, the important point, apart from post-it notes being uh, an awesome <laughs> for visual thinking, is visual thinking doesn't necessarily involve creating pretty drawings. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that's, for me, visual thinking is not about um, artistic beauty. It's about, uh, it's more about that freedom of an open space where I can write anywhere and I can organize items and I can tie them together with arrows and, and that freedom is, is 
for me in visual things. I think that's a really important point to to harbor down on because I know there are quite a few people, including me, before I got more into visual thinking, that from the outside were scared of the process because when I thought visual thinking, I immediately imagined the most like cool of designs with like graphic art and painting or like something like that, just drawings incorporated into thoughts, which of course you can do. But as you just said, it can easily be just a something like post-it notes where there is no drawing aspect to it. It's just the visual nature. And this is also very interesting to me as well because in Obsidian, there's so many different ways to visually think. And some of them are more like what you just said with post-it notes than other others. Like for instance, in Excaladraw, that you can you can do much more of like a, an actual drawing aspect uh, with words integrated as well. But then you have the Obsidian local graph, which doesn't incorporate any drawing elements. It's just connections between notes. So it's still visual thinking, but it's not it's not the same in that like you can't literally shape it in the same way as an Excaladraw drawing or a, a Post-it notes. And then you have like maps of content. Uh, the uh, the bigger graph view, more recently Obsidian Canvas. And this might be an absolutely enormous question, but <laughs> I, I'd be interested to see how you juggle it. And that is, do you think there, all of these visual thinking things I just mentioned, do you think that there are times where one might be better than the other? Like in your own note-taking process, when do you find yourself using each, if you even use all of them? I'm not using many tools, frankly. So I'm, I, uh, I think I have a handful of plugins that I use, and most of them are not visual plugins, by the way. So things like Data View and Templator that just provide the basic architecture to to work on. Um, I think it's great to have many options because everyone can find the tool that uh, facilitates their thinking the best. Um, but yeah, so I, I myself pretty much uh, facilitate, as I mentioned, all of my uh, thinking and processing on Excolitron. And I use the Excalibur brain to navigate the craft because for me it, it provides a cleaner layout. For some things, I uh, use the Kanban plugin, and I like the Kanban board. It it, it is a, a I think a very simple visual representation to um, to move uh, notes around. I've been experimenting with the canvas. I, I haven't yet found my use case for it. So um, I see many people dropping uh, documents and creating connections between them and and um, somehow that hasn't yet come up. So a project will come when, uh, when that will be very handy, but uh, for now, um, so, so in this respect, I'm, I'm actually quite uh, conservative. 
The other visual tool that I like to use, or be, I mean, you can say it's a visual tool or not, is map view. So for me, I'm following uh, this uh, whole notion of latch. I'm not not sure if you know what latch. I've is. heard of it. Yeah. So this is by uh, Richard Warman. He's the I think the founder of the TED Talks, um, and he has this. Uh, acronym. He has this uh, book about uh, information management and and he has this acronym that stands for Location, Alphabet, Time, Category and Hierarchy. And he argues that these are the only five ways very, how you can organize uh, information in the end. And so I just mentioned this on the topic of using map view because for me location is an important element mm -hmm. so often i remember um the location where i had the idea maybe we were on holiday somewhere or i was in a, um, a workshop or whatever i remember the location and i remember i had this and that idea there and i can trace back the idea by finding the location on the document and then finding the note <laughs> that I'm looking for. So for me, um, the other visual tool that I'm I'm using um, actively is Map View. And and in terms of visual tools, that's that's pretty much it. That's probably because so had I not or. I'm not quite sure how to how to phrase this. So, because I'm using uh, an Outlook calendar in my office life, and sort of my life revolves around that calendar, I don't need an additional calendar in Obsidian mm. because the two wouldn't uh, uh, or, or the two would need to be synchronized, and, and that that doesn't seem. Um, an easy task or even a meaningful task yeah. uh, to me. But if I had not the office uh, calendar, I'm pretty sure that as another visual tool I would use. Uh, there was uh, a couple of months ago I was playing with this calendar plugin uh, that that provides a, a, a full um, Outlook calendar like uh, look and feel and functionality with repeating meetings and with meeting notes and with all of these stuff. So for me, that's also visual um, because and that's that's where I'm looking for. So for me, each of the letters in latch, I can think of a visual means to represent it either by placing it if I talk about location placing or adding a location reference to my note or when I talk about time then adding it to a meeting or adding it to my agenda and I'm talking about categories then um, the way I categorize pages is using tags and tags are reflected in my Excali brain uh, with different colored nodes so I can, but of course, also in Obsidian Graph, you, you can, so you can add colors uh, to those categories. 
Um, so so I, that's the way I approach visual thinking that uh, along these five axes of latch, mm-hmm. I try to have visual tools, but uh, I'm a believer in the less is more yeah. uh, approach. So I'm, I'm actually conservative on the number of tools that mm-hmm. I'm using. I think it's fantastic to be conservative about the tools because especially in Obsidian, when there's 800 plus plugins that you could be using, you could get totally mucked in the weeds on on going through them. And it sounds like you found what works for you, even though there might be like a couple other plugins that would increase your ability to do things by like a slight amount. It's not worth it to to try and scour through them to to find that. You know, you said you said something that I thought was really funny, which is how we remember things by uh, often you remember things by location. And that reminded me of how often our memories are context dependent. I and the reason I say that is I remember a few days ago I was brewing. I, I, know, I was sitting in my computer room working on a, a script and suddenly I got the idea to go and, and brew some tea. So I get up walk downstairs, get into the kitchen, and I'm like, "What? why am I here? <laughs> and then I walk all the way back upstairs, go back to my computer, and as soon as I walk through the door, I'm like, oh, that's why I went downstairs. And then I had to go all the way back downstairs again to, to brew the tea. So <laughs> it's just like the fact that I imbued the memory there uh, is what led me to, to remember it when I went back into the same context. That's <laughs> really funny. I, I'm really interested in this latch framework, though, that you that you talked about. I have heard of it before, and I know you just said that you you try and find a way to visually represent each of the things. So I think it would be very helpful. I know you mentioned a few already, but to to dive into each of the parts of the acronym, and maybe you could discuss a bit about the variety of ways you visually represent them in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so happy to do that. Um, so first, location, and that is pretty simple. So for, for me, that's just using a map. I also played with, frankly, I'm not, uh, not using it actively. It was more of an experiment. Uh, I called it fantasy maps. Content. Uh, I uh, video on that as well. The idea was, or is, that you can create so with Map View or with um, what's the other map plugin, uh, Leaflet, the Leaflet plugin, um, <clears throat> you can create custom maps. And so it, it can be not only the world as we know it, uh, but it can be a fantasy map as well. That and sounds sick. Fantasy map, you can uh, you can create. It becomes kind of like a Kanban board, uh-huh. where your your projects are um, pins on the map that you can move, like in a uh, on a game board from location to location, and. 
I'm, I'm, apart from it being fun and absolutely doable and nicely integrated into Obsidian, so I, I think if if you're into into this building a a this fantasy map sort of approaches is just a, a a fresh way to create a Kanban board, and then you can look at different locations on the map and uh, identify uh, the projects that you need to work on or the ideas that are still brewing or whatever other uh, logic you're using for organizing ideas but yeah so so that's location before i had a map view and this takes me back before i was on obsidian for close to two decades so from the very early 2000s um, until like 2018 or 19 I was using an application called the brain and uh, in the brain I had this um, tree of so tree structure uh, starting with the continents and then countries and then uh, cities and then office locations or um, hiking locations or what have you so different things and whenever I was making a note I was linking my note to the location as well so I can go back and I can find what were the things that I did um, in xy city and when why when was i there who did i meet etc so for me um, you don't necessarily need a map view now map view has this huge benefit that you can simply add a physical address or a geo coordinate to your document or to the paragraph in obsidian and bang it appears on the map and you can you can navigate your document based on that. So that's location. Now alphabet, I don't have a nice graphical representation. So that's the next one in latch. It's it's simply, um, if you will, it's the search uh, in Obsidian. It's uh, uh, maybe maybe the only bit around alphabet is something I'm taking that I've incorporated from um, David Allen's Getting Things Done. So he talks about organizing your notes into uh, this filer cabinet and um, creating um, what do you call them uh, uh, folders for uh, for topics and that you really shouldn't think too much and too hard about organizing it simply place the folders in alphabetical order. So I have my folder for, I don't know, mm -hmm. my uh, official documents, for my medical records, for yeah. uh, you know, my contracts, for my uh, insurance, for my whatever. So these are folders after each other and I know the title and I just simply go by alphabet and find the right physical folder and for me that the same logic applies, of course, when you are creating um, a structure in Obsidian. So uh, Alphabet plays a role there. Um, in terms of time, 
Now that has lots of representations and it's it's a bit of a, a broader subject. Of course, I was already mentioned calendar and that's... <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> the, the, the trivial that comes to mind. The other bit that will feel trivial is um, timelines in terms of I work on projects, so for me, um, a Gantt chart type of uh, schedule or timeline for a project is definitely a time representation. But similarly, I like to create for larger programs or uh, so when you have multiple projects or a long, long initiative, then creating what I call plan on a page, which is in the end, it's also a Gantt chart, but it's not in the weeds, but it only highlights the major milestones and and key steps in the process. But for me, that's another way to visualize time that you create this timeline of an initiative. And then for me, the other aspect of time which is then visualized using Excali Brain is using my. Um, so I like to link my notes. So, for example, today's this discussion that we are having, I have a reference in my daily note that we are having this discussion. I have a page for this our conversation where I just copied in all the material that you sent up front and some of my thoughts around it but i i do this with with everything so if i start to go back uh, using excali brain i start to move from day to day to day in my excali brain graph view then i see the related topics each day and if i look at the topic i can see the time periods when I was working on that because I can see the dates so for me the daily notes in a way form a backbone of my um, my note-taking system it has a couple of backbones so this is this uh, strange creature that has multiple <laughs> but because location is another backbone and then uh, the different uh, topical hierarchies and that will take us to uh, a hierarchy in a second that is uh, also a backbone because for different topics or I will have that but for for me that's also a representation of time that I have my daily notes linked in a chain one after the other and I can navigate that chain and I can see, uh, I can spread out from the daily notes to, um, yeah, to, to see what I was up to uh, during that day. So I think th those are the ones I use, but then I can think of many other uh, ways in terms of uh, just uh, timelines. If I was, I am not, but if I were to, uh, explore history i'm sure i would <laughs> i'm probably <laughs> just to, just to outline sequence of events and and you can uh, depending on what you want to 
depict it will look differently. So one idea that comes to mind is um, often the history of the universe uh, is shown on a spiral. So you have the Big Bang in the middle and then you go around the spiral and, and you can see the forming of the galaxies and then our sun and then earth and then the first life forms and what have you and then here we are so that that can be represented as a nice uh, spiral um, and roadmaps can be a, another uh, um, but roadmaps in terms of a strategic roadmap i can see that also as a one aspect being the time but anyway so that's time then category for me, category is represented by tags. So I have different category of documents and a tag represents that category. In Brain, based on the tag, I format the node, not all of the nodes, but I format the node differently. Back in the time when I was using the brain, I also have a blog post somewhere on this. I had this full system of colors. So red was all my different, uh, what I call media, which means it can be a book, it can be a podcast, it can be a YouTube, it can be a learning material, it can be a magazine or whatever. Those were the different shades of reds. Then I had the yellows, which were the different people and relationships. So colleagues and family and uh, what have you. Then I had the blues, which were different assets, uh, either uh, physical or intangible assets. Um, yeah, frankly, uh, those are the, the three that come to mind, but I had this, no, I had the green, but what the heck was the green? I, I need to look at the <laughs> scale. But but so that was helpful and that's something at the moment I'm still missing from Obsidian this very consistent coloring across my entire vault because I find that extremely helpful you look at a page you look at a graph and automatically you understand the context because you can immediately see if this is about lots of people or if it's about lots of media that I'm consuming or what it's about. So that, that is um, for me the, the representation of, of category. One thing I will say before you get onto hierarchy is I think Obsidian actually does allow that because in the, the graph view for myself and also in the local graph view, I have it separated out by colors uh, very similarly to what you were describing <clears throat> and I just make it so that the the tags in the document change what color the the actual dot is on the graph um, so I didn't I don't know if you were aware of that but yeah yeah so so I, I have my graph view uh, colored as well as I have Excolibrain colored mm. I have some tags that uh, are formatted but I don't have the same level of consistency I had back in the brain uh, in the in the brain and and that is some so so down so and this also requires a bit of 
engineering and thinking and frankly I, I just didn't have the energy to go into it but then uh, you think about the different uh, callouts for example and how the color of the callouts or you think about the heading so section level one level two level three level four depending on the style sheet you're using can have different colors um, just think about the style sheet as well. So my basic driver is, I, I like the way the style sheet looks, but it it introduces colors without meaning. Mm. In the end, and that in a way pollute a full consistent use of colors that I'm, I'm missing. So yes, absolutely, you can, you can color the graph view um, and it, it works, um, but I've not been consistent enough in, in, in applying these. Yeah, and, and finally, hierarchy for me that is pretty much um, covered into, uh, though I think hierarchy is, is strange because um, for Wurman, hierarchy is different than the way I use the word hierarchy because so Vorman is talking about hierarchy from he talks about comparing things from small to large from cheap to expensive from so that is the hierarchy of so when you're describing something you're placing it in in its place uh, in this hierarchy of size and in my mind, when I look at Obsidian, I translate hierarchy and I talk about the linked relationships, the parent-child uh, and uh, lateral relationships that I can define in the graph. And in that respect, I have two ways to represent hierarchy, though you can argue that maybe this is, uh, to some extent, a confusion with the use of category but again for me category is the tag and the type of the document and hierarchy I use in the sense of how what's my primary and secondary and tertiary etc organization of the information my primary structure comes from a folder structure so I'm uh, old-fashioned in this sense and uh, believe that folders have been around for three four decades and i think they will be for the next couple as well it's just a simple organizational structure and i i have this basic structure of where i place stuff in a uh, in a folder structure but then hierarchy is for me uh, navigated with Brain, where i have the parent-child relationship between nodes, I have the lateral relationships, I have the more distant relationships, everything on a on a nice structured graph view that I can uh, navigate down, up, or to the side, depending on whether I want to move up the hierarchy, down the hierarchy, or I want to go in a lateral direction. So that, for me, hierarchy is is mostly limited to these two um, approaches. One being the folder structure, and the other being my uh, ex-colibrain.
craft view. Wow. That was, that was a journey right there through the whole Latch framework. I think one of the coolest things that came out of that for me was just how many ways there are to organize information and how much it is up to the individual person to figure out the types of organizing that might resonate with them more than others. Because I don't think there's any argument against saying no one of those ways of organizing is objectively better than every other one in, in every way. Um, and I, I'd love to hear for, for people that are, are listening and maybe just like me, they hadn't gotten into visual thinking in, in yet. Uh, or delved into it in Obsidian, how do you think that they could, after listening to this, take some next quick steps to test out some form of uh, visual thinking, whether it be in Obsidian or outside? Yeah. So I would start with two, two approaches. One is when you're reading something, be it an article or just listen to a podcast like this one, or uh, reading a book, try to capture your key learnings or the key ideas that you're um, that you're taking away in a simple visual representation. And it can be extremely simple. So, so think of um, maybe a simple scene or a simple image that comes to mind and, and think about what would be a good visual illustration of the idea. Then search for icons maybe on flat icons or there are lots of, I mean, you Google for an icon and you'll get an icon. It's pretty simple. So I wouldn't... If you're not good at, I'm awful at drawing, so <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty much dependent on, on all of these tools and people who are more gifted in, in this respect, um, and I'm using their, uh, their work. If you're good at drawing, then hey, that's all the better, then, then you can create the visuals yourself. But so for me, that's there, that would be one area where I try to start that when you create your note of a topic uh, of the examples I mentioned earlier, then you capture the key ideas and just spend that couple of minutes extra trying to come up with a good visual metaphor and putting it together. What you'll find is A, it is actually not that simple to get a good visual metaphor. So often there's a concept and it takes real mental effort to come up with how the heck would I want to visualize that and why. And I find that going through that that struggle, that mental struggle of, or, or even the experimentation of, okay, so let's see if I would do it like this and want to convey the information that does it really work? So I put together the two or three icons, I look at it and 
I conclude that no, I, I'm, I'm, it, it's not helping. So finding a visual representation that actually helps uh, convey the message is, I think, a for me a key uh, process in internalizing the content. So that's when I start to really understand um, what's important for me in that piece of note that I took down. So I wrote down something, I find it important because I spent the time writing it down, that's great. But then trying to visualize it uh, takes this whole experience to a next level. So you, I'm, I'm sure you've heard uh, many people um, argue and I fully agree with the argument that you should be taking notes in your own words. Mm. Note-taking is not about uh, word-to-word copying sentences from a book or from a, a conversation and, and having a copy-paste of the same words in your own notebook, but note-taking is about, rather it's note-making, if we use uh, Nick Milo's <laughs> technology here, uh, is about... Um, articulating why you've found something interesting. First of all, recognizing that something is interesting and articulating why that's interesting, what it links to in your thinking and why it's relevant and writing this whole thing down in your own words. And my, the point I'm making here is if you spend the additional time to create a simple visual, you will take that message to a whole other level uh, deeper in, in your understanding. So that would be one thing where I would start uh, try exploring uh, visual thinking is try to come up with simple visuals mm -hmm. or notes that you're making. Um, the other is if you come up with a task where you need to do some planning or you need some creativity or some, is something new, I, I, I recommend uh, brainstorming using uh, either a mind mapping tool or using Obsidian Canvas or using Excolitros Canvas or just simple paper and pencil or post-it notes, all of them all of these can work, but I think brainstorming in a spatial way instead of in a top left to bottom right uh, yeah. paper structure, um, I, I think will open up a whole new world. Yeah. The, the freedom of, and it's very simple. So you write your question your central topic in the center and you start to draw lines from the center and explore different aspects of the idea and and this uh, infinite space will mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure result in a completely different view of the, the topic or the opportunity the problem whatever you are dealing with than, than the yeah the, I the, the top down 
approach. And so th that, that would be the two things how I would try to experiment with the simple visual to represent um, atomic ideas and and whenever you have a problem then taking a, a visual approach to brainstorming a solution. Yeah, I think those are both wonderful starting plot places for someone that maybe hasn't gotten into this for it. And I think one thing that came up when you were talking as well is how playful visual thinking can be because you have this infinite space that's not confining where you can start with this one central question or concept or topic, whatever. And then there are some rules which might help you along the way with like, you know, what is generally the process of mind mapping. But overall, like the actual end outcome, you don't know what it's going to look like beforehand. You're just kind of exploring, uh, which honestly makes it really exciting when, when I hear it. This is a question that I ask everyone uh, who's on my podcast as the last question. And that is, what are three books that have resonated with you most? Hmm. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's a very broad question. Um, <laughs> it's a difficult one. It's an extremely difficult one because I've been reading so many good books um, so if we talk about note-taking so let's let's start from this topic then I found uh, Zunke Arendt's How to Take Smart Notes an amazing piece of work so it, it is it is really um, it is a very, uh, very well written and has lots of uh, lots of important thoughts. So it, it's a very very good book. Um, I definitely would uh, would highlight that. Um, very very good question. I'm just trying to. Well, I mean, this is this is then completely other end of the spectrum but um, something that has been resonating with me for decades now is a book by James P. Kors Finite and Infinite mm. yeah and it, it's more of a poetic book and a bit of a playful philosophy <laughs> book uh, but the, the whole idea of of understanding what finite and infinite games are and how they apply. I mean, reason, recently in the last 10 years or so, Simon Sinek has picked this topic up. He actually references back uh, James P. Cars, uh, but so uh, Simon's work has also been uh, pretty interesting. But if you want to go back to the source, I think. Um, James B. Course is is definitely uh, something to uh, and uh, finite and infinite games is is a lovely uh, little book and yeah so 
Maybe the last one I would mention, and that's more because of the context of our discussion, not so much. I mean, it, it, it's a, and it's not a single book, but it's um, still very relevant from a tools uh, for thought perspective. So I like books by Edward de Bono, and he has. I mean, maybe the book where I would start is either Teach Your Child How to Think, or he has a book called Teach Yourself to Think, but he has a whole bunch of books all around lateral thinking and um, yeah, tools for thought. He has, yeah, I, I think it is in terms of structuring thinking, it is, it is definitely a um, a good book. Yeah, now I spot it, but I'm allowed three, so I. I, <laughs> I think through Ray, Ray Dalio's principle, <laughs> I think that that's actually a pretty secret secret fourth one for anyone anyone listening they'll, they'll get that that fourth one <laughs> well this is this has been a wonderful discussion zolt um is there anywhere outside of the podcast that people could reach you so i am active on twitter so you can find me on twitter i'm on the my um, alias is everywhere the same. It's Z S V I C Z I A N. So just my initial or my name, if you will. So it's a very simple setup. So you find me on OMG, the Obsidian's member group. On Discord, you find me on uh, Twitter. You can always reach me on GitHub, if you open an issue for Excalibur or Brain, I'll be there. And recently I started the Visual Thinking Workshop, which um, is another place where you can, you can reach me. And uh, if you sign up for one of the cohorts, then we can have a more detailed conversation as well. But in any channel and any way, I'm, I'm always open and approachable, so I'm happy to, of course, on YouTube, on my channel, if you comment, I, I am happy to engage in a conversation, and uh, I have a blog, though I've not been very diligent in putting up new posts for quite a while now, so that's 